The happy Ladies Day uh, to all of the ladies. I want to say this just real quick. Tyler mentioned this already. If, if you're new to Safe Haven, um, we typically don't do Mother's Day. And the reason we don't do Mother's Day is the same reason we don't do Groundhog's Day or uh, July 4th or um, anything else like that. Uh, we're not going to let Hallmark dictate how we gather to worship. Um, so there's son's days and daughter's days. And I mean, today, like there's like a day for everything now. I mean, I slap on Facebook and they're like, happy cat day. And I'm like, well. <laughs> and then to my cat, I'm like, sorry, you're getting the same old nasty food, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and so we're not going to let the, the world dictate to us uh, how, how we worship. And so as a church, um, if you're new, we typically don't do anything on Mother's Day, if you will. Now, if you are old and you've been around Safe Haven, I do want to say, now say this. Um, with a year of internal focus that we've been focused on this year, by strategy and by intentionality, um, we have set aside and carved out and said, hey, you know what, today would fit for us in the fact of we're trying to pour internally into our own hearts this year in specific ways. Uh, so we had an emotional health conference uh, to where we had somebody come in and talk about emotional health. You guys remember this? Uh, when we had Al come, it was phenomenal. Um, we had a marriage conference and, and had the Ortlands come in. Uh, we will be having a parenting conference in the fall uh, to where <clears throat> we're going to have Ted Tripp. He's not coming here, uh, but we will show video just on parenting. We'll have a parenting conference and stuff like that. And we thought, okay... There is a Mother's Day and a Father's Day, so how can we leverage that internally? And we thought, okay, this would be good because we could do a focus on what is biblical womanhood and biblical manhood on these two separate days. Uh, so we are going to leverage this day and just kind of look at it, just kind of pour in. Um, <clears throat> if you are a guest, we go through books of the Bible straight through exegetically. Uh, and so this today is going to feel a little bit different than what you would normally experience on a Sunday. Uh, so I, I would even go so far as to say this. Because of my beliefs and because of our church's beliefs, I would stop short of calling today even a sermon. Um, maybe we could just call it a message nugget or something like that that is biblically based or biblically centered. And from a church you may come from, you may go, well, that, they teach topically all the time. That we're a little bit different here, but this is today is going to maybe feel just a little bit different. Uh, so to all the ladies in the room... Um, married, single, widowed, divorced, whatever you are across the spectrum, uh, we want to say this to you, that we value you. And not only do we value you, but we value you not because of your relationship status, whatever it is. We value you because God has intricately and specifically and wonderfully made you to glorify Him in ways that only women are capable of. Specifically. We value you for that. And so, men, we did not do a good enough job a second ago when Tyler kicked this whole day off. Men of safe haven, let's thank the Lord for the gospel-chasing women that the Lord has surrounded us with at Safe Haven Church. <laughs> Ladies, you are incredible. You are incredible. And you need to hear that. And that's not just because it's Ladies' Day. Um, so with that said, 
Today is going to feel different. Um, if God is gracious, then four things will occur in our sermon nugget-ish today. Um, number one would be this. We'll honor the scriptures for sure. Number two would be this. We hope to encourage our ladies in the room. Number three would be this. We want to equip all the saints in what is biblical womanhood. Um, and then number four, we want to magnify Christ chiefly and ultimately. That's the goal in all things that we do. So that's what's going to happen. Galatians 3 is going to be our launching pad this morning. Um, and, and Galatians 3 will be here on the screen. And so here's what Galatians 3 says. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, now read that line again, verse 27. For as many of you, doesn't matter if you're a woman, doesn't matter if you're a man, doesn't matter if you're whatever, doesn't matter for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, you've, you've put on Christ. So your identity has changed. Verse 28. So therefore, there's neither Greek, there's not Jew, uh, there's neither slave, there's neither free, there is neither, say it out loud for me, male or female, right? For you're all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. There's our tie back to Genesis. There we go. I feel like that would be fitting. Um, heirs according to the promise. And so now I'm going to give you just a few thoughts about this passage, and then we'll just kind of carry on through the day. Um, number one is this. Without doubt, women and men's brains, body, DNA, all of that functions completely differently. Um, ask anybody in here who is married or has been in any type of relationship. Ask any human in here, period. The, men and women are just different. We think different. And so we read this passage just kind of strikingly. Uh, the, the words there just kind of catch us off guard. We know we're different. So what on earth is Paul talking about when he says that there's neither slave nor free nor man nor woman in Christ? What does that even mean? Here's what it means. If you're baptized into Christ, if Christ has flooded you, then in that we all, as a flooded, baptized, new creation, now have a singular purpose, a singular identity, a singular meaning. Did you get that? Are you tracking with Paul? doesn't matter if you're married. doesn't matter if you're not married. doesn't matter if you're slave. doesn't matter if you're free. doesn't matter if you're female. doesn't matter if you're male. If you're in Christ, it's a game changer. Your name has changed. You're no longer, to tie back into Genesis, Sarai, but you're now Sarah. You're no longer Abraham, uh, Abram, you're now Abraham. You're no longer Saul, you're now Paul. You're no longer Simon, you're now Peter. He, he just changes things. And so we're, when we're in Christ, everything changes our purpose, our meaning. And that's what he's kind of getting to. And so it's now, as a baptized creation, no longer gender-based. It's now purpose-based, and our purpose is was to serve the Lord. That's our goal. It doesn't matter who we are, what we are. And so with that said, on earth, <clears throat> we will always do that in complementary ways. It doesn't matter if you're male, female. We will complement one another as the true bride of Christ to serve the Lord. <clears throat> Maybe an illustration to kind of sink this in a little bit. My lawn, my, my front lawn, not my side lawn, but my front lawn has my heart. <laughs> Probably in a very sinful way um, has my heart to, to, a, to a fault. And, and so on that front lawn, 
There's several things that I know that benefits my front lawn. Rain benefits my front lawn. And so when rain comes down, I'm like, yes, thank you for the rain. Unless it starts raining too much, and I'm like, oh, that's too much rain. Because I want it to affect my lawn in the proper way. Uh, dew affects my lawn, right? The dew comes out and it spreads across the ground. However dew works, I need somebody to explain that to me. However dew works, it, it helps my lawn. And it, it gets out there and I don't want the kids walking across it. I'm like, don't walk across the fresh dew. Get your foot off of, you're leaving a non-dew print, you know. And, and that affects it. Uh, fertilizer affects my lawn, right? They spread the fertilizer out there and, and, and it does its thing and makes things grow. My sprinkler system, which we don't have a sprinkler system. We still got the old school one, <laughs> you know, where you're dragging, chasing that sucker and it, you know, it does the thing and, you know, whatever. And, and then you go out there and then you leave it on all night and your water bill's $400 and whatever and stuff. Um, that affects my lawn. There's all these different things. Uh, old South um, lawn care service, their chemicals and their fungicide. Uh, that affects my lawn. He had to come out this past week because there was too much water and a lot of this kind of stuff. And he's telling me about thatch, and I'm like, I don't even know what thatch is. And he's like, you better fix it or you're not going to have a lawn. And, and so I'm learning all these things. They all affect my lawn. Now, here's the deal. As I think about that, it is weak, weak of me to devalue one of those by focusing on the values of the others. It, it's weak of me to think that. So if I, if I look at my fertilizer and I go, oh, my fertilizer is the sum of all being for my lawn. And then I spray the fertilizer out there and I forget everything else and I just value that and value that and value that. That's weak because it'll ultimately just kill my lawn. If I value my sprinkler over anything else, that will also kill my lawn. I just flood that thing and it'll get flooded and then it'll get fungus in it and then army worms will start swimming in it and you know whatever and it'll kill my lawn I, I can't do that and so it's strong of me to value all the intricacies of all the different aspects that ultimately just serve my lawn and I think that's what Paul's saying Paul's saying listen we're not male we're not female you can't exalt this and not exalt this and you can't but it's complementary. It doesn't matter if it's male. It doesn't matter if it's female. It doesn't matter if it's slave. It doesn't matter if it's free. If all of the purpose is to proverbially serve the lawn, then that's right and that's God honoring. So it's strong of us to think of one another in that way. And so today we're looking at not the separate nature of womanhood, but just the beauty of it. The beauty of how the Lord uses womanhood in a way that he does not use manhood. In a way that's specific and unique and wonderful. And women, I pray you walk away going, Yes! I am fearfully and wonderfully made and usable for his glory in a way that nobody else is. That's the goal. That's the hope in the time that we have left. So, church, today, I hope we will focus on just the enormous grand, glorious thought of who God made women to be. Men, we probably need to hear this more than women need to hear it. Let's think through this. Two points for today's message. <laughs> Sermonette. Okay. Two points. 
Number one is this. First, weak women find their purpose in noble but yet earthly traits. And we don't want you to be a weak woman. We don't want safe haven to be filled with weak women. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for all of the things that the world says this will make you a woman. If we're not careful, we'll be duped by several of those. And I just want to kind of look through that. Number one is this. If you find your identity in biological reproduction and or parenting, it will always make you weaker as a woman. Always. And you go, Troy, that's a, that's a, but that's a noble thing. Well, I just said that was a noble thing. It is a noble thing. But that noble thing, if only focused on, will make you truly a weaker woman. Having kids is a high calling. There is no doubt about it. And it is a heck of a workload. Can I get an amen? It's a heck of a workload. And it's a fun-ish season of life. <laughs> okay? Uh, it gets way funner. I, all, it, for me, now that our kids are all older and all that, it's awesome. I love it. It's incredible. But listen, when... Like the gray back there, whoo, whoo. like I'm looking at you and I'm sweating right now. <laughs> That's, it's, it's just a workload and it's a, it's a fun moment, all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. A lot of times we'll buy into the, okay, well, what makes me a woman is my ability to biologically reproduce and parent. Well, here's what that means. You just chase them from event to event. And then you empty your bank account to fund what they want to do. And then you chase them from here to there, fund what they want to do. You run the PTA meeting. You go to this, all to prove what? That I love them. Is it to prove that you love them? Or are you just sadistic and bored? Or do you worship them? If we're not careful, we'll fall into this idea that life is all about me. Parenting and this and blah, blah, blah. And so many find their identity in making the nest. Watch it. Here's where it destroys you if you're not careful. I spent all my life in making this nest perfect. And the Bible says very clearly that we are to raise up children so that when they go, implication, when they get out of the nest, boom, they know how to follow. The whole point of parenting is to let them go. And if we spend all of our lives building this nest and my identity is in this nest, what happens is, and there's some people in here who can testify, when that nest is empty, all of a sudden they go, I don't even know what my identity is anymore. Be careful, ladies. Be careful that you don't find your identity in this nest you're trying to build just to kick them baby birds out. Find it in more. Number one. Number, uh, maybe another identity that ladies find themselves in that will make them weaker is just marriage in and of itself. Be careful. If your identity is in marriage, it will ultimately make you weaker, ladies. Be careful about this. Marriage is awesome. <laughs> and it's even awesomer during the infatuation stage. You know the courtship stage? Where it doesn't matter during the infatuation stage. You overlook everything during that stage, don't you? Everything. Like, oh, you, uh, you, you slashed my tire. That's so cute. It's, it's just, 
You know, it's just, just it's infatuation. You hit that infatuation stage, you know, and and you you wear an item of clothing, and you like you walk out, and you're like that's that's the greatest. It's awesome. It's just a beautiful outfit. When the infatuation stage is over, and then marriage comes, and you're in the love stage, we'll make it acceptable. You hit that love stage, everything gets on your nerves, right? How dare you walk near my tire? I just shined it. What are you wearing? Are you crazy? It's, it's just, I mean, when me and Julie Beth were in the infatuation stage, this is totally true. I used to drive four hours from Mobile on the weekend. Am I Benny and <laughs> I would drive four hours just because I had a free 10 minutes on a Saturday to go see Julie Beth. And I had to be right back that evening. I would drive all the way up to see her, and we'd hang out for 30 minutes, and then I would drive all the way back. You couldn't do that today because of the gas prices and all that kind of stuff. You'd have to take out a small business loan to go see your girlfriend, your boo, you know. And, and, and so, but now, now, I won't even walk into the kitchen sometimes if I know she's in there. <laughs> because we've been in a fight, and there's knives there, Right? <laughs> So infatuation, I'm like, oh, yes. But then now you're like tiptoeing and you hear you go. You know what I'm talking about, right? So here's my point. My point in all that is yes, giving your life away for another person is awesome. But our lives were never meant to terminate in marriage. Never. And if that's where you find your identity... As some in here can testify, when that marriage has gone prematurely or the marriage just ultimately ends, then you'll no longer have an identity in and of yourself. You gotta be careful about this. Marriage will get us. If you find your identity in singleness, all the singles in here is like, yeah, talk about them marriages. Here we go, singles. Now it's your turn. If we find our identity in singleness, it will make you a weaker woman if you're not careful. Singleness gives you incredible freedom. Incredible freedom to explore. Incredible freedom to be whimsical if you desire. To the single ladies in this room who love their singleness, it's awesome that you can get up at 3 a.m. and go do whatever you want to do. That's wonderful. I'm not a woman, nor am I single, but I would love to hop up at 3 a.m. and just make a s'more sometime. And just do it. But I can't now because Julie Beth is like, your cholesterol's terrible. What are you doing? Don't go eat a s'more at 3 a.m. I love all that, but ladies, here's the deal. If you're single and you find your identity in your singleness, then why in those super quiet moments do you think to yourself, not talking about a husband, do you think to yourself, there's got to be more to life? Why does that keep coming? Because our identity was never meant to be in our relationship status. Let's keep going. If you find yourself, ladies, in your identity in communal productivity, it will always make you a weaker woman. These are all the things the world tells us. If you find yourself as just a productive member of society, and this is what makes me strong, it will ultimately fail you. Nike. I love the shoes. I hate the commercials. I'm okay with the shoes. They're a little bit narrow for duck feet like mine, but anyways, that's a whole other story for another day. Nike. The sum total of all of their 
Um, money that they're investing right now is in this slogan right here. Anything you can do, I can do better. Any, and that's it. The whole point is, if you are a basketball player, I can do it better. If you can do golf, I can do it better. If you can be a lawyer, I can do it better. If you can be a doctor, I can do it better. And here's the thing. The problem is that it's just a weak concept of life. Women. I do not disagree with Nike that you need to rise up and do it. Be the best everything. Be the best doctor, be the best lawyer, be the best cop, be the best construction worker, be the best whatever. But you better not find your identity in being better than the person that was before you. And that's what Nike is proclaiming. It's subtle, right? We hear them like, anything, yes, women, yes. But it's ultimately not about women. It's ultimately about purpose. And if you give your life away just so that you can get a trophy that glimmers today and rots tomorrow, then you've wasted your life. If you've given your life away just to beat that person who's got a better mile than you, then you've given your life away for a weak purpose. You've got to be careful about this. And so it's this communal productivity. It's just weak to find our identity in what you achieved and achieved for temporary applause. Women, you are, I, I will readily say this, you are way smarter than all us men. There is no doubt about it. I will, now, I know there's some men in here like, not me. Your day's coming on Father's Day. We'll talk about that later. Women, do it. Rise up. But rise up for a true purpose other than just yourself. We'll talk about that more in just a second. And then finally, if you find your identity in physical adornment, it will always make you a weaker woman. It just will. And this one, you get bombarded left and right from the world, don't you? Here's what I mean by that. Beauty is wonderful. Beauty is wonderful. But have you ever noticed how often beauty is cheapened and exploited for selfish gain? Be careful about this whole notion that to be a woman that's powerful, you've got to be beautiful. I mean, you, I, I, men, <laughs> men, we don't have that problem, most men in this room. I mean, I, there's, there's, you know, I'm not going to out anybody like Camden who loves to, he's just beautiful, he's a beautiful man. I'm not, I'm not I'm this beautiful man right here. Um, but men, we don't have this. It's just not thrown in our face to be beautiful all the time. It's just it's not what we get all the time. Women, I don't know how you do it. I mean, it's a billboard. It's a commercial. It's, it's, you're flooded with your identity and value is in your beauty. It's all you hear all the time. Be careful about that. It'll make you weaker. 1 Peter 3 addresses it this way and says, Let your adornment, ladies, if you want to know what a biblical woman is, Let your adornment be the hidden beauty of the heart, and here we go, infatuated by Christ. That's your purpose. That's your value. That's your meaning. You want to know what a biblical woman is? Christ is your greatest treasure, and he's your identity. Period. That's a biblical woman. What do I mean by that? The point of that verse is not so that we'll boycott Ulta. (laughs) Now, I personally have boycotted Ulta. 
I went there for a Christmas gift, and I shall never return. I don't care if you gave me $100 to go in there. Well, maybe $200, I'd probably go. Uh, it, it, whoo, whoo, okay. Um, the point of that is not to boycott Ulta. The point of that verse is not to boycott media. The point of that verse is not to, to, to boycott anything. The, the point of that verse is, ladies, golly, I feel so uncomfortable saying this, but I'm going to say it. You cannot find your identity in how Nike leggings fit you or don't fit you. Is that fair? It's got to be more than that. And Peter says it's the inner beauty of the heart. That's what makes you a woman. So I hope that's freeing to somebody. It's, it's, it's what's inside you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's the Bible. Not what's ever is it if you hit 26, 34, 36, whatever the song says, then that's your identity. It's garbage. It's garbage. Here's the thing. Ladies, if if your identity is in flaunting yourself for the world to see, then what the world will see is you. And we buy into that. Make yourself beautiful so the world will see you. Well, that's not the chief end of man. The chief end of man is not so that the world will see you at all, but see Christ in you. So if you flaunt your Christ for the world to see, then they'll see their Savior. One is about exploitation of women. One is about exaltation of Jesus. One is worldly, and one is heavenly. Does that make sense? Maybe I could say it one more way. Again, I want to be careful because I... And, and, I, and I, Ladies in this room, I hope you're hearing me not as a pastor, but as a brother when I say this. Be careful in this whole physical adornment thing. And if every picture you post on social media is about the look at this sunset, but oddly you are center stage, then you don't want people to see the sunset. You want them to see you. And that's not biblical womanhood. Don't be weak and buy into the lies of the world. You were made for more than that. And you're way more beautiful than that. So what am I saying? Let's jump back into pastor mode. First, weak women find their purpose in noble earthly traits... Don't let that be your identity. And secondly, warrior women find their purpose in one glorious trait. That simply being 
magnifying Christ above all things. That's it. That's what biblical womanhood is. What a warrior woman does not mean is you be big and you be burly and toothless Amazon woman. That's that's not what I mean by warrior women. You know, like the opposite of a wimpy woman is a woman who smokes camel unfiltered. Like that's not, you know, I I mean, if you do that, if you can handle that, then like you're, that's amazing. And you got some, you need to get your lungs checked out. Um, Okay. But warrior women realize what I said at the beginning, that you're able to display Christ in ways that men, animals, and inanimate objects can't. You realize this, and you track with that. Here's what a warrior woman is. Number one, they're born again. That's what John chapter 3, 3 says. If you want to be a biblical woman, you're born again. Your kingdom is not of this world. You have bought into the Savior in all things. That's number one. And then number two, you let Scripture be your guide. That's what it means to be a biblical woman. That's what 2 Timothy 3.16 says, right? All scriptures God breathed, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's, it's everything you need for life and godliness, as 1 Peter says. As a biblical woman, you war against the world. This world's not my home. <laughs> Therefore, I'm going to war against it. It's Romans chapter 1. You, you don't suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You suppress unrighteousness to seek the truth. That's the goal of a biblical woman. And there, with all these things summarized, you leverage your life as worship. That's what a biblical woman does. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether then you eat, whether then you drink, or whatever you do, you do for the glory of the Lord. That's what it looks like to be a biblical woman. Now, number two... Ties right back into number one, doesn't it? If you see it this way. What a biblical woman is, and let's recap these things. What a biblical woman does is looks at biology and reproduction and parenting and goes, man, these are awesome things, and I can leverage my pregnancy for the glory of the Lord. I can leverage my parenting for the glory of the Lord. I can leverage my, my, my growing belly for when I'm having this baby or some people in our church are having twins and whatever. I can leverage all of this for the glory of... I can leverage the baby shower for the glory of the Lord. I can leverage my Facebook post for the glory of the Lord. I can leverage this whole pregnancy and parenting thing for the glory of the Lord. It's not about how great my kid is or how not great my kid is. It's about how great the Lord is. <laughs> I'm thankful the Lord gave me these kids because they're teaching me this. Whatever you see, you can take that that's earthly and noble and you can make it heavenly and divine and worshipful. That's the chief end of womanhood. Not only that, let's go to the next one. Marriage. You can take marriage and rather than being chatty Cathy and talking about how terrible your husband is, <laughs> right? and he is terrible, I've met him, he's, he's horrible, he's just a, just a piece of trash, right? I know, because I'm one of them. I are one of the pieces of trash. I get it. You can take that marriage and you can leverage it for gospel purposes. And here's how the Lord has given me this person as a helpmate. And here's how we're pushing one another to Christ. Your singleness. Ladies, you can take your singleness and glorify the Lord. Isn't that what Paul said about his singleness? I boast in my singleness. I'm single and I don't have the distractions of this earthly woman... And I don't have these distractions. I can focus on my true relationship with the Father that's coming in all eternity. In my singleness, I boast in Christ, Paul says. Let's take this uh, communal productivity, right? 
So then you take your communal productivity and, and I, I, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a teacher, I'm a whatever. I'm a, I do these things and I do these things not to glorify myself but because God has given me this as a platform to be a missionary with those who are around me. I take what I can do and God uses it for His glory. Do you see it? Is that making any sense? It's a higher calling. Take physical adornment. Praise the Lord for physical adornment. And here's the beauty that God has made me be, and I can be intricately woven. I can wear these things that, that men can't wear or shouldn't wear. That's a whole other story for another day. All these things, and I can glorify the Lord even through attire. If you don't believe me, just read Song of Solomon. Or go looking on the website for those series. But be careful. If you're married, you may have another baby. All of these things ultimately can be pushed for worship. And that's the point. That's the one glorious trait. How do I leverage my womanhood for the glory of Christ in all things? Give you some examples and we'll be done. <clears throat> With the sermonette-ish. Marie Durand. Never even heard of this woman until this week when I was studying. Marie Durand, 14 years old in France, 1700s. 14 years old. She was arrested for being a Protestant. They stuck her in a cell. And they said, Marie, we will let you go. All you have to do is say, I adjure. I, rec- I-, I recant. All you got to do is say that. She turns around. Grabs a rock, writes on her cell wall, I resist. All you got to do is recant. Recant Christ. I resist. And for 38 years, she lived in that cell until she died. That is a woman. Give you another example. Gladys Staines. Because sometimes we hear 1700s and we're like, oh, that's so long away. Gladys Staines, 1999. Some of y'all know her story. Missionary to India. And in India, her husband and her children were burnt in a car. They were murdered. And the news came to Gladys and they said, how do you feel about this? Do you have a message for India about this tragedy? And here's what she said. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. Let us burn hatred and therefore spread the flame of Christ's love. That's a woman. Better still, her daughter, Esther. You can't come up with a better name than that. Her daughter, Esther, 13 years old, asked by the same reporter, how do you feel about your dad being burned? Her response, 13. I praise the Lord that he found my father worthy to die for him. That's a woman. Let me give you another illustration. Unnamed single lady in our church. Troy. It's no secret that I want to be married. And I've wrestled and I've wrestled and I've wrestled with God. And I keep learning more every day.
infertile lady in our church unnamed. My whole journey was so very hard. Wanting a child and never having one. But I look back now and see all the things God taught me and is still teaching me. That's a woman. Unnamed divorce lady in our church. My divorce sucked the life out of me. And in going through it, I learned Christ. I learned grace. I learned what a church family is. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Unnamed mom with a wayward child in our church. I'm their mom. Always. But God is their God. And I'm learning to believe that truth. That's a woman. And personally, and let me be very, very clear, this is personal to me. I'm not propping this up because if she were in this room and not working with the kids right now, she would say, Troy, do not say what you're about to say. To me, years, 27 of them, Of a Bible opened every morning, 5 a.m., on our coffee table. Years of pulling me by my hair, ear, (laughs) into another room and going, hey, man, let's learn patience, Troy. Years of modeling grace. Years of loving me relentlessly when I'm just telling you, if I was a woman, I'd have been out the dough. We've had a lot of pain, a lot of tears, a lot of joy, and a lot of excitement throughout our years. And as I feel the time ticking, we've only got a few more years left. Some of you are like, oh, Troy, you got tons of years left. We're all chasing that precipice of time, aren't we? And every year it seems a little bit closer. Julie Beth has pushed me to Christ more than anybody in the world. And that makes her not only a biblical woman, but my woman. And therefore, she completes me. Not in a way that the movie says, but because she pushes me to Jesus. That's womanhood. And hopefully all of it is just preparing us for a relationship to come that is way more real than any relationship we have with anybody on earth. That's the goal. Is to show us what Christ has for us in the end. Because what did they say? The the people came to Jesus and they said, hey, in heaven are they given in marriage? Are they not given in marriage? And what did he say? In heaven. 
You're not married or you're not married. You're all one in Christ. So all of it is to push us to identify with him ultimately and eternally. Where we breathe the air of heaven, right? And it smells strangely familiar. All right, so all that to say, ladies, man, I want my daughter, I want Macy Lane. And I want your daughters. I want you to learn from biblical women. I want them to learn from biblical women. So women, rise up and teach our young ladies how to chase Christ. Isn't that what 1 Timothy's all about anyway? We hadn't gone through that book yet. We identify as mirrors to push Christ's glory in all things, especially in womanhood. In church, I think that is the overarching theme of womanhood in the Bible. So women, you exist as the band comes up. You exist to display Christ. That's it. That's what womanhood looks like. It doesn't matter if you are five foot two or six foot four. You exist to magnify Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're married or single. You exist to magnify Christ. It doesn't matter whether you have no kids or whether you got a whole gaggle of them. And we got some folks, I make sure I don't look at anybody in this room that has like a whole football team, okay? Your identity's not in that. Whether you love deer hunting women or whether you love scrapbooking women, whether you are the bunco president in your community, they, people still play bunco. Is that like an old school whatever? Whether you're the bunco president or whether you cringe at the thought of women's gatherings. Therefore, I said it for you, ladies. I said it because there are some of you in here who are like, women's gatherings, yay! And then there's some of you who are like, oh gosh, there's women are getting together. I don't want to... It doesn't matter which one you are. Your purpose is to glorify Christ. That is biblical womanhood. You can transform every simple moment into a magnificent, glorious moment if you realize that your womanhood is given to you as the wellspring from which all of your worship flows. I hope that makes sense. Let's pray together. So God, think back to Genesis maybe one more time. You, you, you said you created man in your image, in the image of God. You created them. You created them male and female distinctly. And so, God, may we not see our differences as differences between male and female. Would we see them as distinctives? As traits and abilities that we can take and transform them from earthly, mundane things ultimately at the end of the day and make them glorious gifts that we can present back to you as avenues of worship. Our singleness and our marriage and our kids and our work and our achieving and our homemaking and whatever it is. May you receive glory. So that again, as we do walk in and breathe the air of heaven, we've just been practicing all along on earth. Jesus, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen.